Hey, I'm so thankful that you chose to download and listen to this podcast. I've been so blessed, and as I'm coming closer to 7,000 downloads so far, I'm able to provide them free of charge, but today I want to ask you for a favor if you can. The way I reach people is by ranking in the search results on Google and on Apple iTunes, and if you can give me a rating, if this podcast has been a blessing to you, uh, and if you'd like to give me a rating or a review, I'll be so so thankful and uh, it would help me reach a broader audience and with that said i want to thank you again and enjoy this message god bless hey if you have your bibles would you open with me to numbers chapter uh, 21 verse 4 and we can read to verse 9 and then we're going to pray and uh, are you guys ready for the word this morning all right awesome So uh, this is just a little bit of a context. Uh, This is the um, uh, part of a story of uh, the Israelites who are God's people. And this is a long time ago, but they are going through the desert. They left a place of slavery in Egypt, and now they're going through the desert. And they get to this place where they could almost see the promised land, but they're not allowed to go through this place called Edom. Because the king of Edom says, if you guys are going to go through our land, we will wage war against you. So imagine if you're so close to your promise, to the promised land, where you want to really be, and then you are told you can't go through here. You have to go all the way around. Needless to say, all people are discouraged, and they're very, very frustrated and irritated. And this is how we come to this passage in chapter 21 of Numbers. So this from Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. Remember, they could not go through Edom because the people that lived there. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water And we loathe the worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the the people, and they bit the people. So the people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord, against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look onto the bronze serpent and live. Would you just bow your heads with me this morning? Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, for your presence here in this place. You said where there's two or three gathered you will be there amongst us, Lord. And I pray right now that you open up our hearts, Lord God, as we receive your word, that you change and transform us, Lord God. Father, I pray that as we are approaching uh, the Resurrection Sunday, as we approach the, the remembrance of the crucifixion and death and resurrection of your Son, I pray, God, that in this moment, we would look onto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Lord, regardless of what we're going through, I pray that we lift our eyes and put it on you, Lord. Lord, we thank you. And we ask you right now that you bless, Father, this service. In the name of Jesus, we pray and everyone said, Amen. Amen. If you ever had a time where you were hanging out with someone, 
and uh, they became cranky and very annoyed, most likely it's because they're dehydrated or they're tired or they're just annoyed of you. I mean, that's a possibility. I remember we were in uh, Jerusalem. I took a class as part of uh, my bachelor's degree. To, I had to fly all the way to Jerusalem. And there's this small university that was, I was part of for about three weeks where we would go to these places that we read in the Bible and we would see them and our professors would actually do a lesson on that spot, which was a, an amazing experience overall. I loved every minute of it. However, our professor told us the moment you start hearing that people are getting cranky, most likely in the heat, they are dehydrated and that's why they're annoying. <laughs> So we realized pretty quickly that we have to drink constant water because you're walking through the desert, you're walking a lot, you're, you know, and, and by the end of three weeks, even though the, the experience itself was amazing, by the end of three weeks, you start to kind of get on each other's nerves, if you know what I mean, because you spend a lot of time in the same bus and it's, there's no air conditioning and, and you're walking through the desert, right? And so you're, you're getting kind of annoyed. In those moments when you get annoyed, you should have a Snickers bar. And no, I'm joking. <laughs> In those moments, maybe you are hungry. And that's why you are annoyed. Maybe you're tired. Uh, or maybe you're dehydrated, like I said. And in those moments, I think it's really hard to be on your best behavior. But I think our true character is really you know, shown not when we are fed, when we are just, you know, you know when... When you're at home and you're watching something and you have your coffee and you just had your dinner and everything just feels right, everyone can be on their best behavior in those moments, okay? But when you're tired, when you're exhausted, for those of you who have kids and you've been running around the whole day, right? Like the true character of who you are shows in the moments when you are what I would call it in distress, right? Like you're either tired, angry, hangry, <laughs> hungry, uh, any of those things. That's when we show our true character. Right? And, and, and when we are in these moments, we, tend, we have the tendency to get impatient, to be intolerant. Uh, you used to put up with a lot more with your kids, but the moment you are at your breaking point, you, know, <laughs> you, 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 you lay down the law, right? You get discouraged. You know, because everything seems to kind of the weight of the the the, the, the world is on your shoulder. Sometimes you get you you feel resentment. Resentment. You know, you 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 resent the fact that maybe someone who's supposed to help you is not helping you. Someone who's supposed to come through is not coming through for for you. So you feel resentment. Sometimes you end up not trusting people around you, and all these things are true in our relationship with the Lord. In the moments where we feel that we are going through a valley of, 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 of depression, of seeing you know, a lot of things happening around us and seeing the brokenness in our families, seeing the brokenness of constantly sinning and running to the Lord in your own life and not seeing much of a breakthrough, you have a tendency to get impatient with yourself, to be, be impatient. When God told you to just wait on the Lord, you're having a really hard time waiting that moment. You get discouraged, right? Is God really going to come through? When you're just about to have that breakthrough and you're told 
to go around, to go through a detour, you get discouraged. And that's what's happening here. And we have to give certain, uh, sort of a little bit of credit here to the people of Israel. They have left the place of slavery. However, I don't know if you noticed, a lot of times we tend to have this nostalgia about the old, good old days. Even though the good old days are not good at all, we have a tendency to always look back on the good old days, whatever you want to call that. So they left a place of slavery in Egypt where they were forced to, to labor. And now they're brought into this place of, of desert. And, you know, they look at this and, and they forget the slavery part. They just remember the good parts of, about the good old days. They remember that in Egypt they had garlic. In Egypt they had different kinds of food. It wasn't just man and quail like in the desert. So as they look back and, and, you know, they're thinking, okay, well, we, as long as we can get to the promised land, but the moment they're about to step into the promised land, they are told they can no longer go through this piece of land that they could just cross over. They're told to go all the way around. And obviously this is the last straw that broke the camel's back per se, right? Like where they're like, I, I can't deal with this anymore. And they start to murmur. They start to complain. They start to complain, not against just Moses, but also against God. And in their com- complaining, they start to sin against God. They start to look on all the provision that God has made for their lives. They're in the desert and start to despise it. They're not necessarily hungry. They say, we have no food because the food that we have is worthless to us. We hate the food that we have here. What's the food they had there? It was manna. This is, this is the food that God provided out of heaven for them. And then one time they really want meat and God provides quail. right? And then they look at this and they start to despise this. And, and on one hand, my heart kind of goes out to them. right? Like If you've been through the desert for 40 years, and now, you know, they, they saw so many miracles of the Lord, but they forget all of this. They forget about the slavery that was in the back in, in Egypt, and they start to complain. And I think a lot of times in our own personal walk with the Lord, God has pulled you out of your mud, out of your slavery, out of your sin, but then you are going through a dry season in your walk with the Lord, and you start to complain about the things that are happening in your life right now. If you ever been around someone who had, who has had enough, and they're hangry and cranky, they start to complain like, "Well, this is just stupid. Everyone's just stupid." And you're like, "What is wrong with you? <laughs> you're about to kind of give up on all your friendships, or on your spouse, or on your family because you just think everything is stupid now." The problem is not that you actually think everything's stupid and everyone's stupid. You're just exhausted. You're just complaining because you just feel that there's not nothing that you can possibly do to change the situation. Now, here's the two mistakes that they did, and we do too, is that they didn't realize that the whole going through the desert, it's temporary. That was never the intention. God didn't bring them out of slavery. The, the, the promised land was not the desert. That was just a, a, a time for them to pass through. 
This is a momentary affliction to them. This is something that they were supposed to go through to get to the promised land. And a lot of times when we are surrounded, when we have no peace, no joy, when we are are inflicted with some sickness or disease, when we don't really see God's move in our life, a lot of times we start to complain because all we can see around us is problems. But I want to hopefully lift your eyes this morning and tell you the place that you are in, it was never the intention for God for you to be in. This is just a place you're passing through. The difficulty that you're seeing right now, this was never the goal. You are just passing through this. And the second thing they they didn't do so well is they didn't remember all the goodness of their Lord. As, As they were going through that, and as they were complaining, they forgot how good God has been to them. It was the same God who brought him out of Egypt, out of slavery, who has saved you from your sin and my sin. It was the same God who made sure that no plagues would touch the people of Israel. It was the same God who made sure that their firstborn would not die. It was the same God who led them mightily through the sea of uh, the Red Sea where he split the water. I mean, imagine that. You know, being chased by your enemies and God splits the sea for you to walk through it. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? They forgot that. It was the same God that they were serving who showed up powerfully on the Mount of Sinai, who gave up, who gave the Ten Commandments. And then throughout the day, he would show as a pillar of, 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 um, of smoke and then at night as a pillar of fire. It was the same God who has delivered them up until this point. And when they complained about, you know, not having food, God provided food. It was the same God who provided for them in this transitional period. It was the same God who, when they complained about not having meat, he sent meat. It was the same God when they, when they complained about not having water, Moses hit, you know, the, the, the rock and, and water came out. They were witnesses to a lot of, lot of awesome things that God has done. But they forgot that. And I think as... As Christians, we time, time and time again, we do the same thing. It was, a, it was Jesus who brought you out of your sin. It was Jesus who has delivered you and your family. It was Jesus who provided for your finances, for, your, you, know, for you to have things. A lot of times when you're surrounded by your afflictions and your problems, and when you have no peace, no joy, in that moment, you start to forget all of that. And that's what they did. And as a judgment for their sin. Now, I want to I just qualify this and tell you that in the Old Testament, God made a promise. If you follow me, you will get blessings. If you serve me, you will get blessings. I will bless you. It was a blessing versus a cursing thing where God said that if you follow me, if you worship me, if you, if you just look unto me as the only God that you worship, I will bless you. However, if you don't, I will curse you. I will send you because this is, this is, this is going to be the payment for your sin. If you do not worship me, 
I don't know how more plain I want to put that, and I want to make that a big point this morning, because I think a lot of times we think that God sort of just sits back and he just observes all this. But in the Old Testament, we see God makes it very clear. You do good, there's a reward. You do bad, there's a consequence. And the consequence for your sin is death. And God says, okay, you complain, you don't want to hear from me. As a matter of fact, you really don't like me. You hate me. I've been providing for you. Okay, I'm going to withdraw my protection. You know, I'm going to take my hand away from you, and I'm going to give you what you deserve for your sin. And he sends a curse. He sends snakes. Snakes on a plane. <laughs> Not a regular plane. I'm talking about on the plane of, of the desert, right? Like, he sends snakes. And they're not just regular snakes, they're garden snakes. And one thing that I hate is snakes. I, there's, this, is, this one animal, and I, and I don't understand you. If you're one of those people who has a snake as a pet, why? Like, I don't, I don't get it. To me, they're the most disgusting thing ever. Like, I'm sorry, I don't want to go on a rant, but it's just, I can't. I, I, the very idea of snakes makes me cringe. I, I'm okay with spiders, though. That's fine. But snakes, <laughs> it's just what it is. Um, so I can't stand snakes, right? And uh, he doesn't just send snakes. He sends, you know, snakes that are fiery snakes. Now, of course, this is not like snakes that burst in fire, right? Like these are snakes who, when they bite, the, the, the poison of their venom is like burning in the flesh, right? So God sent these snakes and the people of Israel realized pretty quickly, we messed up. We sinned against God. Now, I don't want to make this, you know, just soften it up and say, well, he wasn't exactly like, no, God sent the payment for their sin. And that is death. Okay, if you don't want to serve me, if you don't want to worship me, you will get what's coming to you. And that is death. Now, you know how I know that what God did was just? Because they tell us. They tell us that they weren't complaining about how God is not just. What they have done, though, is they went to Moses and said, hey, we, we can't take this anymore. Would you go to God and repent for us? We are repenting. Would, would, would God relent? Right? Verse 6, then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. They didn't say, God is unjust. They said, no, we have sinned. They realized that God has been good for us. And the only reason we have not been bitten by snakes up until now in the desert, the very reason we are still alive today, the reason we were not destroyed by other people in wars and so on, is because God's protection was on us. And because we have forsaken him, because we complained against him, because we have hated him, we have sinned. They're not complaining about God not being just here. They realize that what they've done is wrong. And they said, we have sinned, right? For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. And it's not just the Lord. It's also God's anointed, Moses, right? He says, we have sinned. And then he goes on to say, pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people 
So Moses goes to God because Moses is kind of like the, a type and a shadow of Jesus, right? He's the mediator between, between the people and God, right? He goes to God and he intermediates. He makes, he, he's a broker per se, right? Like he brokers, uh, brokers a, a deal between God and the people. And God says, okay, I will relent. And here's where this whole thing gets kind of odd, but also really interesting. I would think that God relenting would mean that he just gets rid of the snakes. But that's not what happens. Look at this, verse 8. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. (laughs) So the very thing that's biting us, the very curse that is in the land, God is telling Moses, yeah, make a likeness of the fiery serpent out of bronze, put it on a pole, and as the people look unto this, they will be healed. Right? So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on the pole. And if the serpent bit anyone, he would look unto the bronze serpent and live. And to me, it's kind of interesting because we see in the first and uh, uh, the Ten Commandments that we shall not make any kind of image, right? Like, is is this people looking onto this snake on a pole, and and are they supposed to worship it? Like, what what is going on? What's happening here? But God is setting the stage, and we'll get to that in a second here. But but God is saying, okay, make something a likeness of the curse that is biting the people and for people to look upon. Why would you want to ever look upon? First of all, I think snakes are disgusting, but why would you want to look onto the curse and then receive healing? Because you know why? Because God wanted them to confront the fact that stuff is not happening to them. They are part of the problem. They brought them th- that onto themselves. They were complaining. They were sinning against the Lord. And the curse that came was because of them. Now, of course, he was, the snakes were biting all people. And you could say, well, I was just bitten by this venomous snake. And, and, and the thing is, is that maybe there were kids there that had nothing to do. Maybe they had nothing to do with this idea of complaining against God. But all of them were affected. All of them were affected by it. So what's the point? The point is this, that a lot of times we look at sin as something that somebody else does who is evil, but we sin. We sin against God and we sin against other people. Now, of course, we get a lot of times the result of our sin and some of this stuff is inherited. When somebody, when a kid is born with some kind of disfigurement on their face, what has that kid done to deserve that? Well, they they haven't done anything to deserve that. But because we live in a broken world that's affected by the curse of sin, New Testament says that we are under the groaning of sin, right? This whole, uh, rather, this whole universe is groaning under the the curse of sin, rather. Right? So, So maybe you 
are, what, what happened to you, some of the worst things that ha- have happened to you, maybe it wasn't your fault. Maybe it was passed down to you f- through generation, through your family. But what I want you to recognize this morning is that we're not innocent bystanders when it comes to this. We've also done things that are sinful. We've also rebelled against God. We've also have, have, have complained and wanted to be away from our Lord and Savior. And because of that, God gave us what we deserved at times. Now, is this a message of condemnation? Just stick with me for now. Okay, because it's not a message of condemnation. Because the hope is that at the end of the day, God has given us something to look up onto and be healed. So Moses makes this this snake out of bronze. He puts it on a pole. And as people look unto it, they are being cleansed. They are being healed. And they don't die anymore. No, did Moses go up to say, hey, you, you can't look up on this? No. Did he kind of separate who can come and look on this snake? No, he didn't do any of that. Anyone who would look upon this snake would be healed. Now, what do you do if you have a, a bite and you're about, you know that you're about to die? Well, you look at it and you baby it. And you're so focused on that one thing. If you ever had any kind of injury, you know how you move around that injury. right? So a lot of times when we are, are going through life and we are bitten by the venom of, of sin, we are so focused on how we can make that area better. How we can self-medicate ourselves. And it says the people who were doing this where they constantly looked and they were so focused on their injury instead of looking onto their deliverer which is god but this was just a symbol they died so the next thing i want you to realize this morning is yes we are part of the problem but there's salvation for all people god did not say hey if you are russian moldovian or this you you cannot have access to this God did not separate who can have access. Anyone who looks upon this fiery serpent on a pole, they will be saved. Now, what does that remind you of? That reminds you of the cross of Jesus. Now, to say that Jesus is a fiery serpent that saves is a bridge too far. I don't think Jesus is a fiery serpent who saves. But Jesus, we are told in um, 1 Corinthians, um, 2 Corinthians 5.22 says this, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So what, was, what were these snakes? These snakes were the curse of sin. And when, they, when this snake was lifted onto this pole, the curse that affected the people, now, as they looked into this, they, remind, they, they, they were faced with their problem. They were faced with their sin. And as they're looking at it, they understand that they have to repent. And as they look into it, God brings salvation. God brings restoration. 
Now, it's not just Apostle Paul that makes this, this point that Jesus became the curse for us. He became our sin and was crucified on the cross. It's not just Apostle Paul who makes this point. You know who else makes this point? Jesus. And John 3, 3, 13 says this. No one has, so Jesus is, is answering Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is having a really hard time understanding how, how do I get born again? How does this work? And Jesus replied to Nicodemus and says this. No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. So Jesus draws this picture and says, just like this fiery serpent, the bronze fiery serpent that Moses set on the pole and people looked on and they received healing so the Son of Man, lifted on the cross, will become the curse, will become sin itself. And as He is crucified, sin will be atoned for. And now, my people will have salvation. They will be saved. My people will have a breakthrough in peace and joy and healing from their disease. So, where are we this morning? I know that 2021 has been a greater year than 2020 in general. But I think as, as, as so many churches are closing down, so many people are affected by losing their job and, and what's happening. Some people didn't get their own um, you know, surgeries because they were really delayed. And now they have to deal with medical bills and medical pr- uh, procedures that they have not taken care of up until now because they couldn't. And there's a lot of things that are happening constantly around us that are, are constantly pulling at us for our attention. If you ever were injured, if you were ever in some kind of despair or, or depression, if you ever had a relationship that was breaking down, you know how your whole day is affected by that one thing. Your whole day is constantly affected by by the dysfunction in a relationship, dysfunction of your body, dysfunction when it comes to your relationship with the Lord, dysfunction in your relationships when it comes to other people, your your parents, your, your spouse, whoever that is. What I'm hoping you would do is not be so concerned by 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 the bite of sin that maybe someone has done something and that that action has bitten you or maybe you yourself have sinned against others that you're not so concerned with that but you look unto Jesus that that you raise your eyes from the problem that you are being surrounded with and you look unto Jesus just like these people who realize they have sinned 
just like these people who realize that, you know, we have sinned against the Lord, then this is the result of our sin. But if we look onto this fiery serpent, if we look on, then there's, there's, there, there's salvation, there's healing in that. So what I hope you would take this morning from this is that everything that is broken in our society, in our relationships, is a result of the curse of sin. And we all are affected by it. And we are not innocent bystanders when it comes to this. When you hear things on TV like, why do bad things happen to good people? Newsflash, there are no such things as good people. When people say, why do this, did, did this thing happen to an innocent person? There is no innocent person. The thoughts that you have, the pornography at times that we watch and we have to repent for creates a brokenness and, cre- and it feeds the sex slavery. And people are being affected by this. The lies that we tell affects other people around us. The manipulation that we, we use to get other people to do what we want, that affects other people. I'm having going to go into all the other crazier sins when it comes to any kind of sexual sin. And that doesn't just affect you, your body, but also at times affects other people. Yes, there's brokenness that were, was inherited in your family. Maybe your dad was an alcoholic or a drug addict or, or some kind of, uh, had some kind of sexual perversion. Where, yes, maybe you're affected by that, but do understand that we're not innocent bystanders in this. We all have sinned and we are in desperate need of God's redeeming grace in our lives. We all have sinned and we need salvation from Him. Now I understand that maybe you're not the, the reason why you have a sickness or a disease. Maybe that's just in the genes that was passed down to you. And we know because of Adam, now we, we suffer under what's happening around us, in our bodies, every, everywhere. But what I want to tell you is that don't, don't dwell there. Do understand that there's salvation, there's healing, there's release There is um, hope in your hopelessness for all of your troubles. God has provided for us a way to be redeemed. But not only that, He's also provided an answer to our relational problems. We also, in this church, we pray for healing of the body. If you came in this place and you need healing, come to the front. We would love to pray for you. There's hope available for those of you who have been going through depression. It's crazy to me how in this political, politically charged culture, we have always listened to you know, government, to economic experts, to health experts. But there's so many people that what we also need to understand is we need to listen to our spiritual experts, our counselors, because there's people who are committing suicide. I, um, last week, it was just a really difficult week for me because um, I actually went traveling the week before that and I came back and there's one place that I really like going and that is at the gym because I feel like I do a lot of thinking there. <laughs> but you also get to see people there that, you know, I got to meet a whole bunch of people that normally I would not meet. And, and I met this kid who had 
cystic fibrosis, which is um, a long conditions of the lungs who, you know, since he was a kid, he's constantly trying to survive to make sure that his lungs doesn't fill up with mucus. And, and he was like, man, I'm in the gym working out. Like, I'm going to try to beat this. And I know the doctors didn't give me more than 30 years, like sort of like um, uh, life expectancy, but, but I know that I'm going to beat this. And, and we talked, you know, a few different times and, you know, he told me he's a Catholic and I shared about, you know, our faith and about Jesus. And, and as we were last time I, I, I saw him is right before I went on my trip and he was getting, um, water for his girlfriend. He says, man, I, I'm going to talk to you, but I got to give, I got to get water to my girlfriend. I'm like, you know, sounds good, man. And I came back and, and, and I was like, okay, his name is Brian. Um, and I was like, okay, well, normally he comes around this time. And his friend, Nikita, comes up to me and says, hey, have you heard about Brian? I'm like, uh, what? He's like, well, he committed suicide five days ago. And I was just, I was so upset. Like, I just, my whole day just, I was like, I, like, what do you say in those moments? These are people that surround us that are dealing with, with heavy, heavy uh, you know, moments in their life where, where they don't know how to handle them. And if the church is not preaching the hope of our Lord and Savior, if we're not reaching these people with the hope that we have in Christ, came home and I was just, you know, one of those moments that you just can't adult and you just have to sit in bed for the whole day. <laughs> and the next day I hear that somebody that actually went a few different times to our North Campus um, died 28 years old because of drug overdose. And, and we are surrounded by people who are drowning in desperation. We are surrounded by people that we go to the gym with, people that we go to school with, people that we, we go to work with. And we understand that sin is a reality. The judgment of sin is a reality. But what I hope that the church preaches is that also another reality is that we have a hope that it's eternal in Christ Jesus. And we will not preach self-help meditation and self-help. You know, those things have their place, but, you know, because discipline has its self-help, but it's, it has its place. But we understand that, that when it comes to the hope of eternal life, there's only one hope that we have, and that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Now, we don't want to look at symbols and shadows and start to worship that because we understand that this fiery serpent that was made out of bronze became that. We see in Hezekiah, um, when Hezekiah brings the revival, I believe it's in 2 Kings 18, we see this crazy thing that happens where people start, so Second uh, Kings 18.4 says this, He, Hezekiah, removed the high places and broke the pillars and cut down the Asherah pole. These all were, were idols, were uh, altar set up to idols. And he says, and he broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had, had made. For until those days, the people of Israel had made offerings to it. So what was, what, what was meant to serve as a shadow, as a symbol, as a type of Christ, where salvation actually comes through, that is the cross of Jesus, the crucifixion, the death and resurrection of Jesus. They started to look at this bronze serpent and they started to look at it as God and started to bring offerings to it. And what, be, what, what at one point served as a symbol of the hope that will be brought through Jesus 
Then it became an idol and people started to worship the very thing that was supposed to serve as a shadow of Christ. And we do that, you know. I mentioned last time how if you have a specific way of doing service and God shows up, uh, shows up mightily and shows off mightily in that prayer meeting, you start to sort of form a system to, to oh, this is what worked last time, must work this time too. And you start giving into this religious spirit and then it becomes idolatrous. When we start to worship systems, when we start to worship a specific way of doing things instead of going constantly to our Lord and Savior, those things that were meant to serve its purpose as a symbol or a shadow is just that. Imagine if, I think I have a shadow this morning, a couple of them actually. If you looked at my shadow and you realize Oslavik's got a knife, but actually I was holding a banana. Well, the information that you get here is so much more than you get from the shadow, don't you think? Because you see me in 3D. And you see the actual, how light bounces off of me and so on. Same thing here. Going to Christ is the real thing. We're not worshiping types and shadows. We are worshiping Christ. We look unto Him. So as we approach this Resurrection Sunday in the next few weeks. I pray that we would spend time meditating on God's word. I pray that we would lift our eyes from our anxieties and brokenness and sin and disease and sickness. All of those things and look on to Jesus, the Savior and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endure the cross. He became a curse. He became the sin. He became the, the punishment. He took on the punishment that we all deserved. So I know that a lot of times you might, if this is your first time being here, maybe this is a kind of heavy theological message. And you're like, I don't even know how to pray. I mean, this all sounds interesting and all, but like, how do I even approach God? When I cannot, can, I, can I just give you some good news this morning that he didn't leave you just to do this on your own. He gave us the Holy Spirit, the counselor, the intermediator who lives inside of us, who is in constant communication with Jesus, who is the intermediator between God and man. Jesus is the person who makes our relationship with God work. Because of our sin, there is a huge chasm between us and God. But because of what Jesus has done on the cross, we are able to step into his presence and God's presence without being killed and receive his grace, receive his mercy. So this morning, if you have no peace, if you're anxious, I invite you to come to the cross and look up to the cross where our salvation comes from. If you are sick this morning, I invite you to come to the cross and say, Lord, I don't know how this works, but I know that you can bring heal healing in my body. If you've been dealing with nightmares, depression, if you've been dealing with a spiritual oppression type, if you've been dealing with, with a hopelessness that you 
can't see past. I invite you to the cross. I invite you to look unto Jesus. If you are worried about life after death, a lot of our anxiety and worry happens because we think that we don't know what happens after death. Well, after death, we have life. For those who die in Christ Jesus, we get to spend eternity with Him. So I invite you for the next few weeks as we go to, to the death, crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that we would meditate on what that means for us. That like the Israelites, we were once lost. Once like them, we were in slavery. But God has brought us out of slavery. He has brought us in a place of, of a desert where, where this is just temporary and the momentary afflictions that we encounter, the, the pain and suffering that we see, this is not meant to last forever because God did not want us to dwell here forever. We are just nomads on this land. We are nothing but pastors through this land and our true home is heaven. That is our true hope. And that's what we look on to. And every single time you get in a place where you feel like you can't go on, remember the goodness of Jesus. Remember the goodness of our Lord and Savior who gave up everything in heaven that He might bring us home. Jesus did not come to make good people better or bad people good. He came to make men who are dead alive. To save those who are lost and bring him home. That is the hope of the gospel. And I hope that you take a, a, a hold of that this morning. Regardless of what kind of effect the judgment of sin or the, the poison of sin has had in your life. If you had a broken family, I hope that you stand this morning and say, This is it. I will not allow this brokenness to continue down through, through the generations. I choose healing above all things. I choose to look unto Christ. If you had a time of, of in your family where you had people in your family who worshiped the enemy instead of God, this can stop with you this morning. And that is my hope. When Jesus says that for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son and whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world may, might be saved through Him. Jesus was not sent for you to have more judgment on you. No, He came to save you from your judgment, to save you from your sin. And just like every single disease, there are symptoms, there's the disease itself, and there's the cure. So what's, what's the symptoms of disease? Sickness, brokenness, hopelessness, fear, anxiety, addiction, just restlessness of the soul. These are all symptoms that point to the disease. And the disease is sin. Sin that was passed down to you. Sin maybe that was in other generations and you're still suffering the consequences of that sin. Sin is the disease. And what is the cure? The cure is Christ.
who became sin for us, paid the debt for sin to bring us freedom, hope, restoration, healing, and that we might have freedom in this life too, where we can walk in freedom. So this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And I want to spend a few minutes here, and I don't know how you came this morning, but if you are dealing with the symptoms of sin, I want to invite you to look at the true condition of our hearts and say, I'm dealing with with a symptom, but yes, the symptom goes deeper than that. I have a disease, sin that's unconfessed, or sin that was in my family that I have not rebuked. And today I come to Christ. I come to Him for healing and restoration, for freedom, for peace, for joy, for comfort. Thank you for listening to this podcast. My hope is that this message inspired you to live in light of eternity. Please make sure to subscribe and it would mean so much to me if you could rate and review this podcast. If you have an event you'd like me to speak at, I would love for you to reach out to me via my website. You can also support this ministry via Patreon or the website. Thank you again and God bless.